0: Hi, my name is Alan. I'm the producer of the Courage to Lead interview series. I grew up in Australia, but my ancestors were first fleeters. I've learnt that this land is and always will be land cared for by the oldest indigenous culture in the world. And that that land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Their culture is all about storytelling. So today I acknowledge the Darroch people, where this podcast is recorded, and we extend our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. And I truly hope you enjoy today's story, which is someone's individual journey on how they traverse the challenges and the joys of becoming a leader. Welcome to the next episode of the Courage to Lead interview series. And today we have a pretty special person um, whose energy and drive to make a difference is something pretty special. So today's guest is Lauren Casamitis. She's a principal lawyer and director of her own law firm. She's the founder of Connecting Lawyer Mums, where Lauren created Connecting Lawyer Mums in response to her own experiences as a lawyer mother, after hearing stories of other mothers juggling parenting and life as a lawyer, and women's careers being interrupted because they exercised their rights to start a family and then take maternity leave and or work part-time or flexibly. Lauren wanted to create a group that offered lawyers and parents practical and emotional support to preserve and bolster their careers and overall happiness. Lauren is also the ambassador for She Inspires Me Australia where under, that, under the, the guidance of Michelle Boundy, the founder of that movement, they are searching for Australia's most inspiring women. Who are they? What do they do? and why are they inspiring they are the pillars of our of of the community the pioneers of change and the unsung heroes they are role models who challenge inequality innovate and inspire we celebrate their contributions and achievements in our community lauren emphasizes in this interview the importance of believing in our why understanding why you want to lead why you want to make a difference and why you want to pursue your goals is crucial for lauren Her overarching why is to show people, especially our children, what women are capable of and the power of kindness. Welcome to the next guest of the Courage to Lead interview series, Lauren Kasamitis, the Principal Lawyer and Director of Gallant Law, the founder of Connecting Lawyer Mums and and one of the ambassadors for She Inspires Me Australia. Welcome to the show, Lauren.
1: Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Yes, it's, it's wonderful. It's, um, I love I love your background story, so it'll be lovely to hear hear in detail where we go with this. So any guest on this show gets asked the same two questions. So if you've done it, I, yeah, we've had a bit of a chat off, off air and you've um, told me that you've researched a couple. Um, so my first question to you is, what is your first ever experience of leadership and it can be yesterday or it can be as a as way back as a five year old or, or what you can remember or anywhere
1: in between. I have heard your podcasts and um I, I love this question and I, I still was racking my brain over what's the best example. Um <laughs> I, I will say that it's it's I love how you've put in it an example from childhood, um, because I think a lot of us are born leaders and so to think back to some of the actions we've taken as children, it's sort of symbolic of where um, where you might find yourself and sort of what drives you to begin with. And I know as corny as it sounds, it it sort of defines your why, like why you want to lead or why you want to achieve certain goals. So I started thinking about my experience as a kid. So I think back to when I was five um, and it might have been when I was about five or six, but uh, I remember being in the playground at school And I found an injured sparrow. Uh, And being the animal lover that I am, I couldn't bear to let it suffer. And so I I scooped it up safely, cupped my hands, and uh, carried it towards the school principal's office. But on the way, other kids ran towards me. And literally, I became a leader in that. I had about 50 children following me in a line, trying to get this bird to safety. And I remember along the way buffering anyone that was trying to rush at me and intimidate the bird I was very protective of the bird and I was explaining to them all why it was essential to get help and uh, I made it to the principal's office and rather than just leave the bird with her I waited till she got the ranger there (laughs) so I was assured someone would look after it who knows what happens the poor thing in the end but um I think that was probably my first shot at looking after Things or people and um, educating others on the purpose as to why I was doing this and why it was important to me. Um, and I do believe, I, I look at my own children and I can see their personalities forming and I, I do believe that aspects of your character obviously develop from when you're a little kid and it's, yeah, it's good to see that um, as a kid I believe that I could take charge and assist um, vulnerable people or things, um, animals, so that's probably one of my very quick examples. Um, as an adult, for me, I've always had sort of that personality where I want to solve problems, uh, find solutions, take risks, never been happy sort of being a follower. Uh, and so in my my whole uh, career as a lawyer, I've always, even if I was a junior lawyer or as an employee, I still always found myself initiating projects or coming up with strategies, trying things. Um, So it got to a point where I created Connecting Lawyer Mums uh, while I was on my second round of mat leave, so with my second child. And that was because I was feeling disconnected from the profession in that I'm a very ambitious person and love my job, uh, but I was having a bit of an identity loss on mat leave, trying to work out, is this really me? I, I was sort of battling all these feelings of guilt in that a part of me wanted to just enjoy this time with my baby and not think about work and do all the things you see mums do during mat leave obviously it's also a very stressful busy time but there's other yes. things that come yeah. with it that you can enjoy and it just didn't feel right for me and um that became a real challenge for me I was questioning well how can I be feeling this way what kind of mother I am am I and um at a loss couldn't contribute to legal conversations lawyer friends of mine would ring and I had no idea what they were on about because like my mind had shifted to the baby um
0: yeah,
1: yeah. so just yeah so feeling out of sight out of mind feeling a bit of a loss um I realized that there was in an, an inadequacy in terms of networks for mums who are on leave or even working full-time part-time casually from home and I thought it was time to rather sulk about rather than sulk about it change it and create a network for women that can still maintain a connection to their profession no matter where they're working from or whether they're on leave and um, have opportunities to share these highs and lows share these experiences feel a bit of self-worth you know repair that loss of identity and uh, excel in their careers so connections obviously mean opportunities so that was my biggest triumph i feel as a leader um and then i opened my own law firm but that's another story <laughs> but yeah it, it, i would say that that was yeah the, the biggest standout for me as an adult leader was creating and connecting lawyer mums
0: let's um i mean you've taken us straight there so that's that's one of the things that i think everyone was really cu- would be curious about and are curious about so let's um how many children do you have now
1: I've got two, a boy and a girl. Um, no more, i am done. <laughs> but I so love how, them. <laughs> how old are they? Um, I've got a a nine year old and a six year old. They've just had their birthdays, so I've, yep. Okay.
0: Got a reprogrammed so, brain. So six years ago, you set up lawyer mums. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so what? Just to explain. I like, guess that's a pretty. It's an easy thing to roll off the tongue. What did you? What's the objectives of lawyer mums? How did you do it? and 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 how is it kind of morphed into because i've seen something at the moment you've got these this beautiful awards night coming on in in i think lunar park in sydney in on the 9th of february 2024 is that
1: right yeah um close to lunar park just at doors point there but um yeah 9th of february it's um a charity gala dinner combined with an awards ceremony so the The Gala Dinner, we held one in Melbourne last year and it was a real hit, a sellout. We had about 250 people attend at the Melbourne Museum. Uh, We had a panel of incredible men and women in business and law um, speak to the the audience about their challenges, um, how they overcame adversity and sort of how they achieved career goals. Uh, We had here in Perkins, for example, the athlete champion athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He talked about how he shifted from an Olympic champion to a role in finance and how he had to sort of rebuild credibility in a new profession um, and spoke about how he rose up, I, I suppose, later in life, yeah, <laughs> relatively yeah. later. Uh, we had uh, Justin Hanbury, Judge, who's who's now gone back to the bars of silk, talk about that adjustment um, and how he sort of escalated in life through various highs and lows. And then Naya Dol-Nayom, um, an amazing human rights advocate, talked about adversity as a Sudanese woman and um, how she helps the community and the community generally. So drawing on that theme was such a success that we had a lot of women in Sydney crying out for something similar. So we, and that's why we're now taking the plunge and doing the big event um, in Sydney next year. And this time around, I found that Connecting Lawyer Mums to date's always been about supporting women um, and helping them connect, but I wanted her to take it one more step now towards rewarding and celebrating Lawyer Mums' achievements. So now through the Connecting Lawyer Mums Inspire Awards, the whole event's designed to obviously bring us together and support and inspire, but also openly celebrate um, the contribution. So... We had a really good um, amount of interest and nominations are still open if anyone wants to nominate themselves or somebody they admire in the law. Uh, and it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a fun night. We've got Justice Lucas Carlson, who's an um, ACT Supreme Court Justice on the panel this time, um, Antonia Marin from Mills Oakley, uh, a board director of the um, Kidman Centre, then we've got uh, Larissa Berent, um, an amazing Indigenous human rights advocate filmmaker, um, Lydia Shelley, another incredible lawyer in Sydney, uh, Sarah Davidson, who you might know as Spoonful of Sarah, sees the A's on Channel 7, was a lawyer, does a lot of great work online. Yeah. Um, and who, oh, geez, I feel like there's one more and I've gone blank. So we've got Antonia, Larissa, Lydia, Sarah and Justice, yeah, I mentioned them all. Yeah, so um, it's going to be a really great night, all supporting um, SuccessWorks, which is an amazing not-for-profit. So SuccessWorks is Sydney-based. Um, what they do is they help women that have found themselves in the criminal justice system rehabilitate and reintegrate back into society and get them work and get them back on their feet um, and the importance in that mission is that we talk about community well-being and safety, and I always believe as a criminal lawyer that rehabilitation and prevention of crime is far more important than um, the the punitive measures that are out there because often those punitive measures do more damage than good. So an organisation like SuccessWorks, where they're trying to get women back on the right path and actually contribute to society and find meaning in their lives, means a better society all around. So it's I'm really really proud to be supporting that organisation. So that's the events. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun, a lot of inspirational, um, empowering speakers and moments and the awards are going to celebrate lawyer mums that have been pioneers in the law, um, really led the way. We've got emerging leaders, um, allies, diversity leaders and wellbeing champions. So I hope that you can all join us. it would be really, yeah, I, I know I keep going on at it, but it'll be a really good night. <laughs>
0: that's. Um... <laughs> it's really refreshing to listen to you talk about it. And that's what I love about leaders like you that, that we have on this show. You just rattle off everything about it and the excitement in your face and the excitement in your voice without an um or an ah uh, just nailing some key issues along the way. And I, I think it would be refreshing for a lot of listeners to hear a very accomplished lawyer such as yourself Talking about giving back to community uh, and making 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 a difference there because lawyers have a bad rap around not being that. So that's a, that's that's a really good introduction. So so it sounds like it's been going for six years c- connecting lawyer mums. Do you want to talk about how that kind of morphed?
1: Like, yeah, you, sure. like,
0: like you're hearing about these beautiful awards nights, but how did it morph from yourself um Lauren you know Lauren sitting at home feeling a little bit left out of the left out of the pie left out of the community how did it how did it morph initially and and how did it build
1: yeah sure um so I think I just put it out there on Instagram I started sharing some stories about what was going on at home on at home uh for example there was one night where I was so exhausted I was about to Give my baby a bottle of milk and I needed to give myself a glass of veto. <laughs> t- yeah. And I poured the milk into the wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized what I'd done. And I thought, like, oh, this is how exhausted I am, how my how much my brain is fried. And um I shared it, I shared the photo of the wine glass full of milk on Instagram. And I had so many women comment on, oh, that's just my life, and thank you for you know making it real. And um, so it started off as criminal law mums. It was for criminal lawyers. Um, yeah. And after like a bit of traction and engagement, I thought let's do a networking evening, just a little night out with some drinks. And 30 women turned up and I was okay. actually, yeah, I was actually surprised by the turnout. I knew I had about nine women that were keen to support me. They were, they were women I was friends with, are friends with and, that, you know, good supports, but then to have more women come out, was fantastic. And then, um, you know, I just started to have more and more events. Um, The very first um, informative session I had, it was called, How Did You Do It? And we had a variety of judges and um, magistrates and highly regarded lawyers that all mums talk on a very casual panel on a couch with champagne glasses in their hands. And it was a sellout. We had about 90 people turn up. Wow. and it was such a fun night and I had a lot of people just approach me later and say wow this is just not your normal law conference um it's so nice to hear true raw stories from judges people that we ordinarily a little intimidated by or everything's so formal in court and then to just sort of hear them swearing and take you know taking <laughs> the piss if I could yeah. say that um you know that they were refreshed and it was something new and so it gave me the momentum to keep going the motivation and we had very similar events moving forward um different themes talking about resilience imposter syndrome um meditative techniques all all sorts of things centered around um well-being and and empowerment um and it grew to about 400 women uh within probably six months and uh by then I had other women around Australia that aren't criminal lawyers but, say, family lawyers, employment yeah. lawyers, reaching out to me saying, where's one for us? And so I kind of – I knew criminal law mums was special because we talked about matters unique to us. You would know, Alan, from your career that there's so many traumas and pressures you know, yes. in the criminal justice system that is so unique in our world. And sometimes we do need our own special space to talk about them. Uh, and so I kind of thought, do I want to expand it to cover it? Am I going to lose that kind of the value I'm bringing? But I decided to take that risk and rebrand to Connecting Lawyer Mums. And now we've got over a thousand members wow. and it's uh, all across Australia. We've got some members in the US, UK and New Zealand as well. Um, and we've got a we're running obviously these big events, uh, the gala dinners, which are annually, but, um. In between, we host brunches, lunches, networking, drinks. Um, And next year, I've now got an amazing advisory board as well. And they've been giving me some guidance on where to take it. So next year, we're going to be focusing around certain themes for um, people of different walks of life, different age groups, um, genders. So, for example, we've got a lot of women um, that are in their 50s plus that have said there's really nothing for us out there who's going to talk to us about empty nesting or retirement or yes, um, yeah, yeah. menopause or you know so we're gonna yeah. focus on different age groups and, and matters that are affecting different people in different stages of their careers. So um yeah it's it's good. That's that's where it's headed now. And um it's memberships free and
0: you just asked, that was one of the questions yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask.
1: So Regimide <laughs> and um the events, yeah I always donate a portion of proceeds to to a charity group. Um, I feel like it's important to give back as
0: well wow that's uh, that's huge so you think you've given a pretty good rundown so you're based in melbourne yes so if you've got a thousand members all over australia how 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 do you meet do you have to go all over australia to to make this work or is it just talk us through
1: yeah, how, the, the how sh- it works the short answer is yes most of it's in person the reason for that is during COVID, we did a lot of webinars. Um, and, and it started off on a real high, but people just got zoom fatigued was yes. the phrase. Yeah. And people were just craving that um social face-to-face interaction. So we still do webinars here and there, but um, I feel a lot of people get more value or benefit, and that's been the feedback out of, you know, having a glass of wine in their hand and or or a coffee or tea and being able to work the room or talk over a table and just really form some natural connections um and i and i feel that they our members are looking for those opportunities as well as um the talks and, and and being assisted through speakers and and resources so uh for the new year i'm looking at doing both and and also providing um resources online that they can access at their own you know time and uh but yeah most of them are face to face uh just based on the feedback. And so, yes, that means I'm a very busy woman traveling all over Australia. My my accountant's been telling me to hone in on the travel. Okay. <laughs> um uh but or raining on the travel, sorry. But um, and my kids aren't too happy with me traveling so much either. So lately I've been taking them with me and trying to make that work just to keep them happy. So it's yeah. funny, it's kind of like an, an irony in that I'm helping lawyer mums, but I'm um, here I am also annoying my children. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make that work, yeah.
0: yeah. It's a, uh, do you want it to, cause this wouldn't have been like, just explain how it works Then, like, is it, is it totally up to you to make it work or have you got a team around you to make like, like what you're talking about is, is the logistical feat really by the sounds of it. Mm. There's got, to, there's got to be all the electronics, the organizing, the locations, you know, all that kind of stuff. So how does, how does it work?
1: There There is a lot involved, a lot of work. Um, we have that advisory board now, an amazing panel of men and women that, um, from all backgrounds connected to law or related professions. So they've been giving me that support and strategic advice I need. Um, I've also got a co-chair, Perpetua Kish, who's a family lawyer in Canberra. Um, so she's helping me out a lot with the organisational logistical side of things. Um, we have, volunteers that assist here and there in terms of if we do have an event in a certain state then they help us in terms of sourcing suppliers and and uh producing the events uh and it's it's amazing that we out of the woodwork come really good people that just want to be there for you they they see your vision and they 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 find value in it and they 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 want to see it work. They want to s- to support your success. So um, I've had women across Australia just come out and put their hand up and say, you know, if you need our help in the Gold Coast or in Sydney or so, you know, and, and I, I always embrace it. It's fantastic. So for example, um, Michelle Bowdy, who was one of your guests and actually connected us, Alan. Um, she's just amazing. She's obviously based in Newcastle. I think she's moved to Sydney recently. But she um she she reached out to me and said, anything you need. With this big event, help me out. I'm happy to help you out. So she um she helped me source the venue. Um, so she's been you know great in that way. And then another uh she another neuropsychologist that attended our last smaller event in Sydney, she's from the Gold Coast, she she came to the event, loved it, and now she's been connecting me with all these um Donations, or donations, donors. She's been connecting with donors um, that are going to be providing gifts for the silent auction. So, you know, it's amazing that community comes together and, yeah, the support you get. Um, A Byron Bay lawyer has a side hustle in um, fashion. So, she's going to be putting on a fashion exhibit at our ceremony next year. Yeah. It's, It's, I think, when I, to answer your question, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of time and energy. But you also are surprised by just the good-hearted people out there. That community coming together and helping you with just some of those tasks to just get you over the line and um, take a few tasks off you and keep you going.
0: Do you want to? I can. It's so obvious you're passionate about it, and and it takes a it takes a team to build something like like what you have happening. Do you want to give us uh, maybe one example of since lawyer mum connecting lawyer mums has been in in existence of a story that your network has created something for someone or an outcome that you're pretty proud of?
1: okay let me think <laughs> um
0: this is totally unscripted you can tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. like, please
1: this computer. <laughs> um, so so what um achievement so something that's tangible in other words or yeah
0: something something that you know has happened because of your network where you, like you're connecting lawyer mums who are who are living what you lived and and because of that connection something's happened that okay. you, you just go wow yeah, got it.
1: it. I've had um, two women approach me and express this immense gratitude to me for starting CLM. And I said, why? Why? Like, tell me what's happened. And they, these are all separate occasions, but they both said uh, we were going along to the events, listening to the speakers and to you. And it really motivated us to start our own law firm. So right. these were separate conversations. Yeah. Right. So one told me how she wanted to do it, she had a lot of self doubt. She was stuck at a workplace she wasn't really happy with but was telling herself, look, you're better off just staying there. Um, She was feeling like she was neglecting her children. She was telling herself, well, how am I meant to start a law firm when I've got kids? It's just impossible. But uh, just continue to meet people through our community, go to those events, listen to those speakers and thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. And now she's had her law firm open for about a year and is doing really well and happy and is able to manage the juggle, and um, she's that's why she expressed this gratitude. Uh, the other lawyer just started her firm very recently, uh, but very similar story. She's a single mum. The husband walked out on her and her daughter, moved overseas, uh, was in a really big corporate firm, doing the long hours, couldn't really keep up with that, as well as trying to get home to her child, started um, her own firm because of the people she met through CLM that are other law firm owners, for example. And uh, yeah, it gave her that encouragement she needed. And now she works from home. Her practice is going pretty well at the moment. It's brand new, but she's happy. And she's got in referrals out of other CLM members. Um, and I have to say that that cross referral um, support, as well, is just really strong. There's a lot of loyalty. In um, in CLM, and uh, a lot of people are, you know, really happy with sort of the connections that they've made and the the work that's coming out of it, but also the brand awareness and just that moral support. So I'd yeah. say they're sort of two tangible achievements.
0: That's pretty beautiful, Lauren. Um, that's good. And then we, we, as I said, we haven't scripted this at all. And you, and your <laughs> first, like, we're still on the first question. What you know, what's your <laughs> first first ever experience of true leadership? And you you gave a, an example as a child, and then. And then your own personal experience, where you didn't want to be a victim, you didn't want to be uh, crying on your sleeve, I suppose, and, and created your own opportunities. So, and look at you—you <laughs> you kind of, um, you just, you're so energetic talking about it. And I must imagine there must be some exhausting times behind it. But uh, and uh, and I, I I didn't know the time frame, so we will get into the the rest of the time frame, but your connecting lawyer mums happens before your own law firm yeah Mm, so quite quite interesting how how it all how the momentum builds so the second because we're still only in we're still in the introduction at the moment so
1: there's gonna be a five hour (laughs) point
0: so um so let's go to question two and then we'll go into your story which which is, is, is going to be interesting. So question two is what's something about Lauren Casamitis that no one knows?
1: Oh, geez. I don't know. I think I'm pretty vocal. I'm a loud mouth Greek. Everyone knows everything about me. You know? <laughs> um, oh, geez. You know what? I think a lot of people see, I'm, I'm very chatty, extroverted person. And, you know, I like to have fun. Um, So a lot of people see that side to me and think I've got it all going and nothing shirks me and there's no challenges. But As you said, I think what people don't know about me is because I—not that I want to hide it—and I'm happy to speak about it because it's also helpful to other people. But I guess I'm resilient. So what um, I don't maybe show it enough is that, yeah, I'm I'm, many times I'm exhausted, I'm run down. I, um, you know, go through that imposter syndrome, the self-doubt. Every now and then, I feel anxious. um, You know, there's those times where you. Operating off fear and second guessing yourself, and close to making decisions that are fear driven. Uh, So, even though I'm out there presenting and I'm usually a jovial, confident type, happy to work the room, happy to be on stage, um, no, there's a lot of times where I doubt myself, second guess my decisions. um, And yeah, it does eat at me. And I, you know, often. Sometimes I think about pursuing a whole other avenue in my career. <laughs> like I, you know, there's those times where things get the better of you. You're like, oh, just, well, I must become a florist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I'm undermining that works. I'm sure it's stressful as well. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I hear other people, men and women, all genders, talk to me about second-guessing themselves, challenges in life, struggling with that. Um, asking me, how do you do it? How do you stay strong? And I, I want to share that sometimes I'm not strong. Sometimes I am just wanting to lie in bed and let the world pass me by and just leave me alone for a day. Or, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's important to be open about that and and share our vulnerabilities and, and share our times of adversity and, and then how we push forward from it. Um, so that's probably what a lot of people don't know about me is that, Yes, plenty of times I am susceptible to self-criticism, and I'm highly, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm going to say that I'm a perfectionist. Um, so wow. you know,
0: just you being yeah. honest, good on you, good on you. Yeah, I'm just uh, putting it all out there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, again, I love because I never know where these interviews are going to go, but there's so many uh, kind of rabbit warrens corridors that are let's let's go there straight off. So you've mentioned it a couple of times in this interview, you mentioned it twice, the imposter syndrome. Uh, and you said that's why you set up Connecting Lawyer Mums for other people that experience the same thing. And now you, you're saying in when you go into your, in, in my world, I call that my nothing box, um, where, where, you know, where, where, you're, where you're, you're kind of belting yourself up and, and, and no one else knows what's going on. So when you go into that world where you're, Feeling you're in your imposter syndrome, and there's a whole other thing, a lot of things you said. How do you get out of it? How do how do you what do you do to get out of it?
1: Yeah, uh, good question. um I think the main thing is is to not be hard on yourself. If you're having a flat moment, or you know, it's it's not the best moment of your day or life where you're downing yourself, it's it's okay to feel that way. I think. Um, there's this huge messaging in in the world around positive thinking lately and you know just being happy and grateful and i think yes there's definitely merit in all those tactics and absolutely it's important to be grateful for what you have but sometimes when you're trying to challenge what's a natural feeling you're you're doing more damage than good so if you're at the moment doubting yourself questioning you know, just a conversation you had or a decision you made, or just who you are generally, then it's okay to feel that way. And I think just accepting that and saying, you know what, right now I'm, I'm having a shitty day. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's
1: okay. It's going to pass. And when then it starts to naturally soften, then when you start to feel better again, then embrace that, that positive thinking okay, so what am I, what have I got going for me? Why am I doing this? Um... What supports can I count on? Thinking about those positive experiences you've had, achievements. Um, I meditate quite a bit as well. So sometimes when I'm in a, a bit of a low, I actually just picture something that made me laugh or made me really happy. Um, and it was something, what I tend to do, and it's as simple as this, I remember a moment where my dog, I opened the garage door, she'd just come back from her walk and i um, she just saw me and she was so happy that she squeezed under the garage doors or was opening with this big happy smile on her face. And you know, it's just so it cheers me out the moment I think about it. So uh, even little moments like that take me out of that little lull. And again, I'm not trying to battle the feeling. I don't I feel like we're being counterproductive when we tell ourselves to snap out of it or quick think of something positive. Cause if it's if it's not a natural state of mind at the time, then you know, just let it go through you and out of you naturally um but yeah then just thinking about positive experiences counting on those people that you know are true supports um and also not buying into the external criticism and the internal criticism like I think since I started CLM and then my law firm um that was the first time I think I've really encountered tall poppy syndrome mm. um and it took me by surprise and I mean. Yes, we all are prone to jealousy and envy at times, but um, I generally am very supportive of other people's success. And so, encountering people that weren't like that, that aren't supportive and are critical, you know, that can be it can be easy to buy into that criticism, or or people that give you unsolicited advice, thinking you know they mean well, but sometimes it's not the feedback or advice you need. Um, yeah, yeah. And so when you start buying into that, it, it it can do more damage than good. Um, and likewise, when you're in your own head, and you know, as you probably know it too, as someone in high rank, Alan, when you're you're up at the top or you're a high achiever or a high performer, you can be so critical of yourself, and um, that sometimes isn't good either. Um, it's good to to have some awareness, and you know, but um, sometimes you've just got to talk to yourself nicely. So I think not buying into that external and internal noise sometimes, and just really listening to some of that helpful feedback instead and some good positive self-talk.
0: Good stuff. You said in the that answer that's counting on people around you for true support. So, do you have that? Uh, and 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 what does that look like for you? And how does how did that happen?
1: Yeah, well, sort of the 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 obvious answers are my family and my kids and my close friends. You know, you've got those people that are loyal to you that know you well you know them well and you've got that trust um and so when you need their support it's a no-brainer you go to them um and my kids even though they're young they really open my eyes to a lot of things um so I really learn a lot from them uh but then also I saw a quote recently about the universe throws you strangers unexpectedly to help you on your journey and um I really believe in that Um, when I first started my law firm, I had a coffee with a judge, and she said to me, um, "You'll be surprised—the the people you least expect will support you. The, le- the you least expect to support you will, yeah. and the people that you most expect it won't." And yeah. um, and I just, yep, yeah, that's exactly that's been my experience ever since. So, um, embrace those opportunities, those new people that come your way. Learn from them, even if they might not be the best almost pleasant lessons, um, but you'll get lessons thrown at you through and and um, advice and guidance through various people and um, you'll be surprised who they are. Um, I've met so many people since CLM and Gallant started and, you know, they, I, if it hadn't been for them, like I probably wouldn't be doing half the stuff I'm doing And um, but they're not people that I've known for 20 years either. And um, so, yeah, you don't know... Who could be your next support? But embrace who comes your way, um, and also don't dwell too much on the ones that you expected would support you. And don't everyone's got their own life and circumstances and backstory, and you don't know what's going on with them. And just don't worry about it. Keep doing your yeah. thing. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Do you want to? Do you want to? Can you think of? I really like what you said. Uh, the judge you had had uh, a, a lunch or. A, uh, a coffee with a with a judge and she gave she gave you advice about mm. um the person you least expect will help you do you want to go there do you You either name them or don't name them but given, given can you give the the listeners an example of a real example of how that happened how what that looked like
1: for, for me um because yeah um oh well i guess when i first started the law firm um i had I knew lawyers in this community that I'd supported uh, previously, like, you know, with referrals or just moral support. And you kind of think, okay, they're going to be the ones that are going to flick you a bit of work. Yeah. Um, but what happened was there were, and funny enough, you know, there's this movement lately where uh, uh, there's a bit of man bashing going on out there. I'll just put it out there <laughs> that way. Sorry if I'm offending anyone, but I'm not a man basher. I was raised by a single dad. Um, right. But what I'll say is, Men in big firms deliberately gave me work to see me succeed and I was stunned because they barely knew me and, um, you know, they they are you you think it's a boys' club and they're looking after their own, but they gave me some quality work and were wishing me well and came to my launch. Um, You know, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, and um, that was probably the the biggest standout for me. And then from there on it was just – you know, someone you met once at a networking event um, that you don't think you've really connected with, or, you know, kind of left it on a, you know, not a huge high, but not a yeah, just yeah, neutral. Yeah. And then so suddenly they.
0: Kind of
1: yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of like, yeah. what kind of impact was that? Whatever. And then yeah. um, they refer you to their brother, or you know, like, you know, wow, they, they trusted me. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, um, and also, Alan, like off air, we we're talking about um, that relationship between defence lawyers and police. And you know, we don't have to clash. We, we 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 can work together sometimes. Like we we both want to see fairness in the justice system. Well, most of yes, us do. Yes. yes.
0: Um,
1: and I feel like we can get further if we just cooperate and treat each other respectfully. So I have to say, there's been a lot of police that refer me work because they yeah. have said. I, I value that you treat us respectfully and I know you're going to take care of this person. They need some help. Um, so, yeah, so that's been a nice surprise a as huge, well.
0: That's a huge part of the back too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I, I totally, uh, this is not about me, but I, I totally agree. The, the more you know the people who you work with in whatever field it is better and understand where they're coming from, the better the outcomes will be for everyone really so yeah so that's uh yeah that's 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 a really good story so i think i think you've answered the first two questions and you've just given us a hint even in that question about um about being raised by a single dad so do you want to go there how, how does um You've kind of set a really beautiful scene. You know, 47, 40, 45 minutes in. Uh, in uh, uh, maybe, maybe the little bit of that was before we I, I pressed record. But do you want to give us an indication, like a uh, how, how, how are you made? How, how does, where does this beautiful, caring, uh, kind person who wants to have a go and 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 give back, where, where does this come from? And you can yeah, take us um, take us wherever you want to take us.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I, my dad George, um, raised my sister and I uh, with my paternal grandma Aphrodite. Uh, who, he became a single dad probably when I was around thirteen. Um, so most of my um, most pleasant memories are from that age onwards where he and my grandma really worked hard to look after my sister and I so my dad always an ambitious hard-working man in um, a lot of corporate roles in big corporations um management roles and my grandma um was a migrant from well a Greek migrant from Alexandria, Egypt, so make it all complicated, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she she came here in the 50s, as a lot of people from that region did, um, with her husband and her boys. And so she was a seamstress um in Melbourne. And so I was influenced by both of them in that my dad, I learned a lot of that leadership, um, resilience, um, strategic thinking, problem solving through him. He always told me as a kid because I've, I've always been ambitious naturally anyway, and I used to say to him, Dad, I want to move to L.A. and I want to drive a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he said, I remember as a child, he'd say to me, stepping stones, stepping stones, you, you know, you make your way up to the top, hard work and, you know, one step after the other. Um, and I don't live in L.A. now and I don't have a Ferrari, but, uh, but I believe in that, um, always working your way up to the top rather than expecting everything just be delivered mm. to you on a platter. Um, And I saw the value in hard work through him because he worked very hard. My grandma taught me sort of those more old-fashioned values, like to be nurturing, um, to take pride in your family, protect your family, care for them. She showed a lot of resilience and risk-taking in moving here. Um, She taught herself English. She actually negotiated housing contracts. Um, You know, she worked very long hours in the factory but developed a lot of fun friendships so I saw, and her husband died when she was relatively young in her 40s. So she raised three boys essentially on her own. And um, to do that and work and navigate a new country, uh, you know, I just, um, she's passed, but I always, her legacy lives on in me. I'm always proud of that woman that raised me. And whenever I'm having those moments where I, you know, I've had enough, I just, as in had enough of work, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I then think, I think about her and I go, no. You're, you've got her in your DNA. You're going to keep going. And um, with my dad, uh, I was a bit of a class clown at school and very creative child. So I always saw myself um, doing some sort of design career. Um, being the clown, teachers in primary school and high school. Well, some of them there were there were there were many that were also very encouraging, but there were there were some that would say to me. Where you're headed in life with that kind of humor and you know work ethic, you're not going anywhere and yeah. and um it's very different these days now to see how teachers communicate with their students, it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it stayed with me and probably for the better because it motivated me to actually lift my game. But um I I did buy into that thinking, well, yeah, I'm not gonna really go anywhere, am I? Um But my dad said, Come on, you're a smart girl, persist do this, believe, believe in yourself, I'll support you. So when it came to uh, end of secondary school, like my year 11, year 12, it was, you know, crunch time thinking about your career and where you're going to go. And um, I took on legal studies in year 11 and loved it. Yeah. And um, that's when I thought, you know what, well, I want to do this. And um, I still had in the back of my mind, oh, you're a clown. You're, you know, you're not going to get the grades, but I just thought, no, you know what, I'm going to do this. I reckon I can do this. And so my dad, I remember him going to bookshops and buying me all the books I needed and driving right. me to, um, th- there was a course that they ran on the weekend to help you out with your studies. He'd drive me to that. Um, huge support from my dad. So I got the grades, I got into law, um, and ever since then, he's always believed in me and and my sister and, um when I started Gallant, he actually when it's when it grew, he came on as our GM. <laughs> so okay. um so he was helping me with all the you know the the operational and um strategic planning and the um client relationship, all, all all those aspects, which was good to be working with him. Um yeah. And so that's been my journey. I think I was yeah, I I had a lot of great lessons and support from both my grandma and dad and um shaped me I think to who I am now because I've got a nice blend yin and yang of you know the old world female and the corporate male
0: <laughs> yeah yeah interesting It is um what you say about some of you know immigrants that have come to Australia been brave enough to come to Australia they can't speak English and and your, your grandmother's story of like Alexandria in Egypt in 1950 would be would be so different to what Australia looked like, and then come over and be a, sounds like a seamstress in Melbourne yep. with three boys from for the from 40 years old onwards. So there's a lot of there's some lot of lessons there that you've, you've obviously witnessed. So yeah, wow, that's a good story. So what um you just kind of went straight there. You went from you you did your legal studies, you became a lawyer. And you ended up setting up um, Gallant Law, at least in the last five or six years, by the sounds of it. In
1: four, uh, yeah, I set it up uh, four and a half years ago. Yeah.
0: So where did you work? It sounds like you you were you have been in criminal law all the all the way along.
1: Mostly, I. Um, so how? So how I went the, to Yeah.
0: What's that look like? Yeah. Look yeah
1: like? I went to Monash Uni, Victoria, and um, I did arts law, so I specialised in history. Uh, I love history. <laughs> um I and sorry, this is the joys of criminal lawyer life, by the way. There are messages popping up all over my phone right now about <laughs> a new arrest and I'm waiting for my deal. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. This is it. You can never predict anything criminal. Well, sorry, so I've got to be distracted then because it's I've just got a mistake. All good. Under control. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I – where was I going? Yeah, so I got into Monash University State Arts Law History. Um, history was great in that – and my dad said to me, oh, where is it going to get you? Why are you doing that? But it actually helped me with a lot of my analytical thinking and um, research. It was actually great. Yeah. Um I then, while I was at uni, I start uh, not started, sorry, but I joined a um, family law clinic where we volunteered um, helping out with clients in need with family law advice. So I actually had my heart set on being a family lawyer. Yeah. Um, then when I graduated from uni, I got offered an article clerkship at a boutique firm, which is the equivalent to an apprenticeship, I guess, as a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and I did a bit of family law there, but my boss at the time then put me on a bit of criminal law and I loved it. And I realised that's where my true passion lied. Um, so eventually I was doing mostly criminal law work, a bit of family law and a bit of litigation. Then um, I had my passion. You know, I mentioned that about age eight, I was determined to move to America. <laughs> so at age 21, that was still there. So I um, did, I studied my master's in law. Um, so Sorry, so I applied for a master's in law in New York and um, oh, wow. I, I got in, yeah. So I moved to New York after I finished my IGL clerkship and um, started it. was a master's in for foreign law students um, with the aim that you then be qualified to sit the bar exam there. Um, so I did that. But long story short, I was homesick, I think is the short, the very short, yeah, yeah. simple version. Um, and I came back. And tail between my legs, I asked my old boss, can I have my job back? And he said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I um, started working there again, criminal law. Um, And eventually it was time for a change a few years later. And I moved on to another boutique law firm. And I was there for nine years and um, doing all crime. And it was, I loved it at, um, you know, we did everything from driving matters through to murders and serious complex sexual offending and mentally permanent and really great um, variety work and really great mentor in my boss and so I um, but the, I think that leadership bug was getting at me I didn't want to just be an employee and I was time to sort of wear more of a leadership hat so at that point legal aid approached me and offered me a management role um, and I took that on and so I worked in their indictable crime team um, where we specialize in serious crimes yeah and um that was, all. that was excellent. Um, again, great variety of work, far more challenging work because you're dealing with a lot of vulnerable clients, a lot of mental impairment issues. Um, did that and that's when I started to get this burning desire to start my own law firm. I, I noticed, um, well, I was loving the leadership role, um, but I also noticed there were limitations in terms of working in government just because of obviously decisions made within the government as to how things should go and, um, and you know, some of them are great and necessary, but others just felt to me stifling or I, I felt limited in my advocacy. Yeah. And so I thought it was time to start my own firm where I could do it my way. Yeah. Um, I'm not a millennial, but, yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, and it was interesting because while I was at Legal Aid, I had a lot of... um feedback around how much attention I put on my clients and that I was sort of going above and beyond too much for my clients and I found that fascinating I, I thought I just thought I was doing the standard service so how, how can you go above and beyond um you know you're there to help people and so I kept that in the back of my mind when I started my firm that if that's my um point of difference that I actually care and I, I, I thought everyone did and I'm sure there are many lawyers out there that care for their clients but I do want to go above and beyond for my clients. So for me, being a lawyer isn't just about going to court and putting on a performance in court. It's the strategy behind protecting their interests in the long term. So I would connect my clients with psychologists or put them on certain offender treatment programs that hone in on whatever the offending is or the triggers of the offending. I think about their reputation, the damage to their family, their relationships, their career, their finances. Um, and so I pride myself on not just looking at the case and analysing the case and trying to get a win in court, whether it's a not guilty verdict or um, a lower sentence on a plea. It's about long-term vision. What are we doing for our clients long-term? So and that's, I think, the point of difference um, in my firm. And so my team now... with when I started up the firm. Um, it was just me, and it. Then I took on my first employee probably six months after I opened it, and now we're a team of fourteen. Um, and so all of them, the reason why I've recruited them is because they've got very similar values to me. We care about our clients and the community as well. Um, I mentioned earlier that you know you you. Uh, People have this misconception about criminal lawyers. We all think we, you know, we're rogues and we <laughs> um you know, we cause a mess in the community. It's a lot of us are the opposite. We actually care about the community's interests and we've seen it. Like in my 20 years in this profession, I see what jail does to people and it's not good. It yeah. does more damage than good. So we're all about educating the court and the community as well through the right penalty to serve and protect. Society.
0: Yep. Interesting. So, I mean, you cover so much, and there's so many little uh, rabbit warrens I could. I want to just explore in, in a brief level. What if just ex- you, you said that once you 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 are in family law, and then you got into criminal law, and you loved it. What do you love about it?
1: Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, what I love about it is, I'd start with the psychology. I'm fascinated by what causes offences, and Mm. um, I don't believe there's such a thing as an evil person. I I think that um, people commit crime because of a dark day in their life, whether that dark day started from when they were a child and exists to this very day or whether it was a chapter. So a lot of people that find themselves in the justice system have had a very disadvantaged background. Um, They've grown up in a violent household or um were victims of sexual assault as kids um uh ex- were susceptible or exposed to alcoholism drug use through their parents um you know abusive parents um lack of education poverty uh, mental health and medical attention um so that's what generally creates crime and I am fascinated by what it where it takes people and how it can be addressed. Um, yeah, sometimes people have come from a great background, but then something goes wrong in their life. You know, I had a client who was um, the judge said he'd fallen from grace and I think that was the best way to put it. He was an insurance broker, highly successful in terms of, you know, happy family, kids in private schools, the flash house, yeah. um, very solid family, and um, he... Got depression, started to gamble. Um, it snowballed. Um, you know, started turning to drink. Um, started cheating on his wife. Like it just snowballed, and then it yeah. got to a point where he committed a crime, and it yeah. was a pretty bad crime. And um, but the judge got it. Like we were able to show the judge this person's actually a good man, but went through a really dark chapter. And unfortunately, at the time, didn't go and get the right supports, like professional support. Yeah. Just yeah. St- self-therapy through the wrong things yeah 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 okay it's
0: it's uh it's it's quite interesting your motivations and it's it's pretty it's pretty you know how a point point of view you, you've used the term a point of difference a lot in in your in your answers as well so I'll, I'll, you, you genuinely care. It's quite, it's quite lovely. You're like what causes the offences, and it's a dark, a, a dark day in their life. Sometime, uh, a poor decision or or a, the fall from grace is pretty, pretty beautiful. There was something you said in your second uh, workplace. You were doing criminal. I think you were doing criminal law in that area, and you said you had a great mentor. What yeah. made, What 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 made that person a great mentor to
1: to you? I'll give, I'll give him a plug. Um, his name's Tony Hanbury. <laughs> hopefully he'll tune in. And hopefully he likes this. Um, yeah, he's um he was like a father figure to me. Um, you know we we had a really good relationship like that, and um he just we worked together. It was the two of us. Um, so he was present a lot to be able to guide me as much as I needed. Um, through types of court hearings and complexities so you know he was he'd throw me in the deep end but still be there to with, with the safety net um and taught me how to interact with clients how to how to communicate with them um introduced me to a lot of people in the legal network um introduced me to judges and magistrates to develop that respect and that reputation as well and um he had a really good relationship with a lot of people in the profession and the justice system so he always taught me you know to never burn bridges and to treat each other respectfully and um, you know good sense of humor and really took me under his wing and yeah so I'd say that's that's why he was a really good mentor is that he he believed and he also he was he wanted to see you develop he wanted to see you grow and yes he challenged challenge you but also um, be there for you like let you take that risk let you use that initiative but
0: catch you if you had to fall
1: that's pretty that's
0: pretty lovely i'm gonna make and him I listen to this <laughs> no, no, uh, <laughs> he, he could pay you later for the for the reference but there's um it's really it's really quite beautiful uh, i knew there was uh there was something there and I, i've lost it now but um respect and reputation oh never oh, yes 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 so never never burn bridges can you give an example of that where it would have been possible to blow it all up and tell everyone what you think or he thinks and he didn't or he or you didn't because of him?
1: Which, sorry, Alan, can you repeat that? Sorry. So,
0: but... so it's the question, you, you, the, the prompt was you said your mentor, Tony Hanbury, gave you all these mentoring uh, cues and one of them was to never burn bridges mm. and have respectful relationships. Yes. Can you give, can you provide an example where that where you saw that happen either he did it or you did it and the outcome?
1: In terms of burning a bridge or not burning a bridge. Not
0: not not burning a bridge when not you really wanted, not when you when you really wanted to.
1: Yeah, I think um what I've transferred over to this firm and and what i teach my juniors is that um the criminal law world can be competitive. And um, what you find is that th- there's plenty of lawyers out there that want to steal clients. <laughs> I'll put yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah. And what he always told me was, if you have a client unhappy with their lawyer and they come to you and they they want you to take the case over, you never say yes. What you say is, I want you to talk to your lawyer first and see if you can restore that relationship. And I will yeah. let them know. Yeah, I will let them know you've contacted me, but I want you to just have a chance to see if it can be sorted out and then you would contact the lawyer and say fyi so-and-so has reached out um, they've expressed a bit of unhappiness do you want a chance to fix that and let us know how you go and they were always so grateful for that courtesy and what would happen is if someone would say oh, i'm done with them you can have <laughs> <laughs> or others would say thank you so much yes can you give me that chance um and i'll let you know how i go and so now what I see is there's a lot of new law firms forming and um, they're quick to just either practically take a client or a client's gone to them unhappy and they're quick to say, hand us over your file." And I say to my juniors, don't ever do that. It's just it's, it's this new mentality um, and doesn't need to happen. You, you're burning bridges when you're stealing people's yeah. clients. Um, by being courteous and giving people an opportunity to salvage those relationships, they'll remember that and um, – you know Uh, it'll be it'll be paid back yeah and
0: And i think that was a huge thing and you're breeding that in your own people that's what you're i mean you've learned it yep every person every every other law firm that you do that to will just probably go wow but i haven't struck that before but then your people around you uh will be learning there is another way
1: yeah i think so and there's a lot of old school lawyers out there that operate the same way Tony and myself operate and, you know, we talk about it and they say I just, we just can't believe what's happening with the new generation of law yeah. firms that are quite, Where yeah. is that community gone? And so I, I think for the sake of working together and looking out for each other, I, I think it's important. Like there's enough work out there and it's good to just, as, as I said, not burn bridges and have each other's yeah. backs. Yeah.
0: That's what I love. I never know where a leader interview is going to go, but that's, if anyone just gets one takeaway, that's just beautiful. One, one of my best mates, I interviewed him early in the in the series, and he he that's one of his main lessons is never burn bridges, even, even when you want to kill him.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, no, it's he's, true, right? <laughs> and sometimes, on the other hand, sometimes you have to, you know, there's some rare instances where the yeah. relationship's just done, and it's probably in your interest to.
0: Yeah, walk just away. Yeah, walk yeah, away, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's beautiful. So I think we're pretty well into we're into gallant law. Do you just want to give it an example of what you've got out of that? Um, it's been going for four years. You said you went from no, it was just you, and then you have one person working for you now. You've got fourteen. What have you got out of that? That because that's ultimately sounds like your goal. Like you said. You had to leave legal aid, and and hats off to you for working in legal aid because that's a tough gig. Uh, it's a really tough gig, but you've you've probably learnt, earned your stripes through that. Um, what have you learnt? What are you in gallant law that you think you can build? What have you loved about gallant law? It, it's your in your hands. Like this is your goal. You you did it after starting connecting lawyer mums uh you did it after your second child so what what have you loved about it
1: yeah i think what i love about it even though it's also what i hate about it (laughs) (laughs) all the lessons i've learned it's my first business um and so i'm learning a lot as not only a mentor uh but a business owner and so you you start off a firm with this business plan and this idea of what success means and um you know, initially success meant to me um, obviously a thriving, sustainable law firm and um, the financial gain out of it. But as times gone on, it's changed. It's what it, what it is now is that to be happy, to feel at peace, um, to be there for my kids. You know, I, I used to think you have to work around the clock, and it and as a criminal lawyer, <laughs> you still do because you you never know yeah. when you're going to get a call. But um, I'm more um, focused on making time for my children on the weekends, let's say or after hours, whereas in the first couple of years of gallant I barely gave them any time to be honest and they they were drawing pictures of me. I've got some funny pictures I share now and then I want to do my public speaking where you know they, the, they were asked at school to draw a picture of Mummy and it's me on the phone and the laptop and like, <laughs> you know I'm thinking geez, like that's who they think I am and um, you know my son drew a picture of me. With this big round belly at the chair going, Mummy, like this is you now. And um, and I'm thinking, oh, like, I know I've gained weight from stress eating, but you we've put it in a photo and <laughs> image. So, so I um I thought they're pointing out for me that I'm working too much and I'm stressed. And so successful now now for me is it's not necessarily about working harder, but working smarter. Yep. And so um that's what I'm trying to do with Gallant. It grew quickly. Uh, but I am at a point now where I, I, it's not about being bigger but about being better. So trying to really work with my team to provide quality service internally to, you know, to work in harmony, to um, develop their, we we'll work towards their goals as well, not just about developing their skills but um, helping them achieve their own career goals and personal goals um, and having a reliable team that means I can also take a bit of a step back and work on other aspects of the firm but also um, be there for my family. So it's not – I I really battle with, you know, your business is your baby. So Mm. I don't want to neglect my business either. So it's about contributing enough energy to both families or or babies. Um, And one thing I'm proud of now is that uh, I've got a good friend of mine john who is an aboriginal lawyer that joined the firm a few months ago and or a couple months ago and he um there's a new initiative we've introduced to the law firm called the strong spirit justice initiative and so we're representing aboriginal clients and providing a um very inclusive safe space for our clients um the representation is customized to um deliver or address um you know systemic or cultural matters um and as part of the justice initiative, we're also uh, delivering workshops now to other law firms, so teaching other lawyers how to best represent their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. So that's I'm proud of that part of Gallon. It's grown in size, but it's also developed new initiatives to address other matters in this uh, space or in this justice system.
0: You've just, um, and, and I, I, that's why I love where these interviews go, like, I started the Courage to Lead interview series to shine a light on leaders who empower others to create supportive and inclusive workplaces, environments, or communities so that they can thrive. And you've just said that.
1: Oh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> I so, love it.
0: Yeah, so, and you didn't, you know, you, you'd you have to do a fair, maybe a, a bit of research to see that, but you've just done it unscripted. So I love <laughs> it. Uh, um, we're nearly there. I just wanted to ask you... One more question about you're you're an ambassador for She Inspires Me Australia. Yeah. So that's the next question I'm going to ask, and then then we're going to go into some takeaways that you would give advice to another leader who wants to go down your path. So what what does it mean to be an ambassador for She Inspires Me Australia, and how did that happen?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So... Michelle Boundy, who founded She Inspires Me, um, reached out to me on LinkedIn. I posted um, a piece about um, my reasons for starting Connecting Lawyer Mums and I sort of outlined some of the highs and lows in terms of mainly around people's responses to it um, in that, as I was saying earlier, you know, there, there were some people that kind of questioned my motives in why I did it. And I was taken aback by that. And, um, you know, I talked about how I'd, I I had lost friends over it. Um, you know, anyway, that's another story. But um, yeah, I, put yeah, that, yeah. I put that in the post. And um, yeah. so Michelle reached out to me and said, and threw a message and said, um, wow, you know, what you put up there just resonated with me because I've experienced the same thing being a um, female leader and trying to serve the community and do something good. Um, And it just makes me sad that women are going through this and would you like to have a chat? So we had a chat over the phone and we just really bonded and shared all our stories and very similar values and very similar mission. And uh, she said to me, would you be interested in um, being an ambassador if she inspires me? And she explained to me that it's all designed to promote and elevate inspirational women and women that are doing things differently. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest in that. I was a little apprehensive at the start and I said this to Michelle because when you start to make waves and you develop a profile for yourself, you attract good people, but you also attract opportunistic people. Mm. <laughs> and I discussed this with Michelle. And I, I said to her, I just want to know that this is genuine. Um, because I've had a bit of, you know, some interesting experiences lately. And she said, I get it. I I've had the same and I want you to trust me. And um, so we we got to know each other over time and she's such a sweet, genuine yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, so I have said, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. And, um, you know, she's been so good in terms of what what I see her do for other, not only just other women but organisations, the things she's doing with Lifeline, for example, and the elephant in the room and, um, you know, and just giving back just because out of the goodness out of her heart, no other agenda, and mm. you know, and I, I think that's really lovely, and I I want to support women like that. Like we need more of them, and um, yeah, it was a no brainer for me to just back. She inspires me, be an ambassador, promote it for her, and um, you know, collaborate on certain events here and there. And that's sort of the plan for next year as well. Do a few little things together. Um, and likewise, she's been a huge, as I said, she's been a huge support in some practical things too for me through CLM. So she. Yeah, she inspires me. Um, she's got some amazing ambassadors already, and um, so it's it's like a privilege to be part of yes. her group of ambassadors. Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking forward to delivering what Michelle needs through through the um the organization.
0: Good on you. That's a, I mean, that's a a beautiful answer as well, and and on the money. Um, so let's let's wind it up then. Uh, if there was a leader at any stage of their career that thinks, wow, I want a bit of what Lauren's doing, what would you, be your takeaways to becoming a person, a leader in your, in your like you've created? What's, what's your takeaway to, to being? Good
1: question. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know even know where to begin. There's so many ways to answer that. I, I would say, um, and again, it's so corny, everyone's using it lately, but I believe in it, believe in your why. Why do you want to be a leader in, and in a particular space? Uh, it's it's not so much about what you want to deliver or how you're going to deliver it. Start with why you want to deliver that. And um, you'll then know, so when you hit challenges and, because um, you will, there will be challenges, it's what's going to keep you going. Because um, when you Go back to that very beginning, that foundation, and ask yourself why I'm doing this. It'll keep you going. Um, So for me, with CLM, um, my overarching why are my children. I want to be a good role model for them. I want to show them what women can do. I want to be a happier me. Um, I want to show people, well, my kids and other people, what kindness can do. Um, and I obviously I want to provide for them and I, I want to give them cultural and spiritual experiences and all those things. That's my overarching why. So when, I, um, when I've had those times where I'm, you know, full of self-doubt or negative talk and I've thought about whether do I continue with um, the organisation or the project, I then remember my overarching why being my kids and that it does serve them and so mm-hmm. I keep going. And then the second why for CLM is obviously to, elevate women in the legal space and their careers and their um experiences so again I I feel like I'd be letting down my sister <laughs> if I <laughs> didn't um to start with that and then I would say that um you just just be realistic that there will be adversity there will be highs and lows and most of them are just the shifts we need um, if things were a breeze we would do everything the same way and it might not actually be for the best um Sarah Davidson, who's speaking at our event next year, she she's presented at a smaller event of ours um, in October, and and she said um, there was a point where she made a bad business decision and she lost $50,000, and she told herself, oh, like it got her in a rut. But then the way she got out of that rut was to say, well, it was a lesson I needed because if I kept going the way I going, I probably then would have lost half a mil. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: so it's sort of – that's a good example in that um, – Sometimes those challenges embrace them because they're just sort of guiding you towards a better direction or a different way for your own mm. good. Um, and I think do put yourself out there. Um, do become known because you're not going to really get far if no one knows who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. So mm. embrace those connections and and the platforms, you know, now with modern day social media and websites and things, it's you've got plenty of ways to get yourself known and I would say one final piece of advice unless you'd like more from me is um it makes a big difference doing things in person um I you know I did a lot of social media posts during COVID and then I presented once once the bands lifted here I presented an event in person and um I had a lady from the local radio station come up to me and say, you know, I um, follow your social media posts and, yeah, I kind of get a fair idea of who you are and what you're doing, but um, now that I've actually seen you live and gone to know your personality, it's just left a real impact for me I want to support you. So, that, yeah, I think being out there and getting to know, to know people and people getting to know you, yeah, um, huge part of your success.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. Well, that's a pretty good answer. So... <laughs> Unless you you said you might have a couple more in you, have you got any? Uh, oh, use, uh, I, um, use, use, I talk
1: it? a lot, as you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just say, like, I don't want to give bleak advice, but I would say just be mindful that they've got, they've, there will be plenty of really good people out there to help you, but also watch out for some of the don't don't just just be careful of the people um, sheep in was it wolves in sheep clothing? Yeah, um
0: yeah.
1: Not that I want to be negative, but be smart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's pretty. I think you started the interview by saying uh, you look for the good in people, yeah. but there are but there are people that uh, that for whatever reason seek to do harm sometimes, and just uh, be aware that they're there. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. identify. Yeah, so that's 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 that's, that's, that's pretty true too. So I I've really enjoyed this interview. It's kind of well, something so, I uh, yeah, I have sometimes I, do, I don't want the interviews to end and, and this is one of them. So well, first, thank I you. I
1: want to hear all about you. I might <laughs> like do a reverse podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I, I'll uh, I'll talk about that off 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 air with you, but uh, but thank you. This is all about you, not about me. So um, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for sharing what you've shared today, and we will catch up with you in the future. And, and um, I, I've really enjoyed it. So thank you.
1: Thank you, same same here. Thank you so much for having me here and your time. Appreciate. No, it. No,
0: no, it's it's it, it's a privilege, absolute privilege. Well, how good was that interview today, ladies and gentlemen? Lauren, her energy, her drive to make a difference, her drive to create a better world, her drive just to show that by supporting each other, we can make a difference and we can change um, the way human beings interact, even in in the area of criminal law. You have to applaud what Lauren is doing every day. So in closing, I'll leave you with this lauren advises being mindful of the people around you embracing challenges and putting oneself out there she highlights the opportunities provided by modern day social media and websites to establish connections and build a platform however she also emphasizes the significance of in-person interactions as she experienced the impact of meeting someone face to face and having her personality leave a lasting impression on others now then, if you like today's podcast, please leave a short review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to get your podcast from. These reviews are influential, and I'd suggest that you share it with anyone you know who might be curious about being a better leader. Today's show was produced by Alan Sickard, it was edited by Alan Sickard, and mixed by Alan Sickard. The theme music is by a musician called Savick, and it is titled Legacy. I'm Alan Sickard. Thanks for listening.